the end of World War II, there was a submarine coming into the harbor at Newport News, Virginia. And for unknown reason, it just sank. And so they sent down divers to find out what had happened or try to find out what had happened. And when they got down there, they were inspecting everything and they heard this knock from inside the submarine. And the knock was actually Morse code. And as they listened, the message that they were knocking was this. Is there hope? That's a significant question. That's a question that at one time or another, we've probably all asked ourselves. Is there hope? Maybe you're sitting at the kitchen table and you've got bills spread out all over the table. And you're wondering if you're going to be able to pay all of these bills. And you ask, is there hope? Maybe you lost a job and you've sent out several resumes and you're just not hearing back from anybody and you're asking the question, is there hope? Maybe you've been to the doctor and you're waiting back for the report. You don't know what you're going to hear and you're wondering, is there hope? Maybe you're in a relationship where it just doesn't seem like things are ever going to get any better. And you ask yourself this question. Is there hope? It's a question that's probably been on all of our minds at one point or another in our life. Because we all go through these struggles. We all go through these times when we think, is it ever going to get any better? Is there hope? If you go to the internet, you will find lots of advice on how to find hope. It's not all good. I heard of one list of a way to find hope, and it had a list of things to do, and, and, and one of the things on the list was make yourself a cup of tea. It may be relaxing. It may even put you in a tranquil state. But it's probably not going to give you hope. Another thing on that list was to repeat the affirmation, I am the key to my peace. I am the key to my peace. Well, let me just say that although peace and hope may have some connection, they are not the same thing. And second of all, I am not the key to my peace. You are not the key to your peace. God is the key to our peace. Now, I'm all for affirmation. Some of you have heard me teach on that. I'm all about self-talk and things like that. But you've got to be careful what self-talk you're using when you use it. Another thing on that list was to light a candle and turn out all the lights and meditate. And it even went so far as to say, it doesn't really matter what deity you believe in. Now contrast that with Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, which says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see, the hope is in the Lord. The hope is in God. These other things may be helpful. I'm not against tea. I'm not against affirmations. I'm not even against meditation. I probably wouldn't add the it doesn't matter which deity you believe in part. But as far as the meditation, I am good with it. Those are some good practices. But our hope is not in those things. Our hope is in the Lord. That is where we renew our strength. It's when we put our hope in the Lord that we're able to run and not grow weary. It's when we put our hope in the Lord that we're able to walk and not be faint. That is where our hope goes. We've been going through this series for several weeks now. This series called Radicalis, Developing Spiritual Roots. That word radicalis means from the root. It's where we get our word radical meaning from the root. And throughout this series, we've just been going back to the root of what all this is about. We've talked about radical gratitude. We've talked about radical faith. We've talked about radical joy. We've talked about um, radical love. And it all uh, comes, and today we're talking about radical hope, and it all comes from where we put that focus. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we've looked at this several times throughout this series. It says, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live in obedience to Him. Seek your roots down in Him. And draw up nourishment from Him. You see, the strength of a tree depends upon the nourishment that it gets from the roots, from the soil through the roots. And it's the same way with us. The strength that we get comes from Jesus through the roots. When we seek our roots down into Him, we draw up that nourishment from Him. It's true in our faith. It's true in our gratitude. It's true in our love. It's true in our joy, and it's true in our hope. And as we talk about hope this morning, we're going to spend the majority of our time in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, many people have referred to 1 Peter as the book of hope. I would encourage you to go and read that book this week. It's only five chapters. It's a very short book. We're only going to be looking at, at a part of, of chapter 1 today, but I would encourage you to read that sometime throughout this week. Now here's a unique thing about this letter, this book that, that Peter wrote. It was written during a time of tremendous persecution of Christians. It was during the reign of Nero, when Nero was the, was the Caesar for the Roman Empire. And if you know anything about Nero, you will know that he did not like followers of Jesus. He persecuted them. He killed them. He tortured them. He would have them thrown into a den of lions. He would have them crucified. He would hang them on a pole and set them on fire as an example 
for other people not to follow Jesus. So when you follow Jesus at this time, it didn't just mean you were going to heaven when you die. It meant you may go tonight. Okay? You come and follow Jesus, it just might mean your life. And yet people were continuing to follow him in droves. They continued to have hope because their hope was not in their circumstances. Their hope was in the Lord. I want to look in this in the first seven chapters of First Peter chapter 1. If you want to open up and follow along, you can. If not, it'll be on the screen. But we're going to be looking at First Peter chapter 1 in the first seven chapters. And we're going to look at five roots of radical hope that we find in these verses. And the first root that we find is this. God chose you before you chose Him. My brother Mark loved that one. Okay? God chose you before you chose Him. Look at the second verse in 1 Peter 1. It says, You were chosen according to the purpose of God the Father. God chose you before you chose Him. He chose you before you were even born. He chose you. He had you picked out for a specific purpose. He chose you. He chose your purpose. The reason this earth, this time period, is because God wanted you on this earth at this time for a specific purpose. Now, we have the decision of whether we choose Him or not. He's already chosen you. Are you going to choose Him? Because God made you. The reason you are here is because He chose you first. That alone should give you hope. I think the second root that we find in this, in this chapter is that God always treats me with mercy. He always treats me with mercy. In verse 3, the first part of verse 3, it says, All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is His boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again. I love the way it words that. That's boundless mercy. It is without boundaries. His mercy is without limits. His mercy is beyond our understanding. He pours His mercy out on us. Grace right there, folks. That God loves you so much. He didn't just choose you before you chose Him, but He chose you to pour out His mercy on you. He showers this mercy down upon you. Now, sometimes it may not feel like it, right? Sometimes in the midst of our situation, we begin to think, is God really there? And God is just desiring for us to turn to Him in the midst of those times. James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Ask God for His mercy. Ask God for His comfort. Ask Him to help you in your situation. Because God's got big plans for you. 
It's not so that we can mope around in our self-pity. It's so that He could use us in kingdom-sized ways. Jeremiah 29, 11, this is a familiar passage. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God's got plans for you. He's got plans to, to, to bless you, for you to prosper, and for you to have this hope that is in Him. That's what He's planned out for you. Just ask Him for His plan. Ask Him to help you follow His plan. My plan's not that good. Okay, I've tried my plan. Sometimes I do just the opposite of prospering when I try to follow my own plan. When I follow God's plan, it's amazing the way He pours out mercy in the midst of that. The third root that we find in this passage is that God has reserved for me a priceless inheritance. He has reserved a priceless inheritance for me. You remember the MasterCard commercials? But uh, the priceless ones. Yeah, where it would be. The one I remember uh, specifically is uh, this kid and his dad are going to a ball game and it's like, you know, hot dog and popcorn. $20. Two tickets to the ball game. $50, whatever they are. It's been a long time since I've been to a ball game. And then it goes, spending the day with your dad at the ballpark, priceless. I love that. Now, I'm not a big MasterCard guy. because Some of you know I'm an anti-debt guy, okay? I don't carry credit cards. But I love those commercials because it pointed out values. Yeah, there are some things that cost you money. And those things can be good or bad. Obviously, we need money for things. But it's those things that are priceless that make life worth living. But let me just tell you, folks, God has a place for us that is priceless. It's this inheritance that He has prepared for us that is, pun intended, out of this world. It's amazing. <laughs> There's a mantra in South Carolina that says, while I live, I hope. And that's a pretty good mantra. But I believe when we put our hope in God, it goes even beyond that because the hope that we have in Him is beyond this life. That hope is an eternal hope that we have this inheritance for us in heaven. Now, let me just say that heaven is not for everyone, but only for those that have made reservations. And we make our reservations through Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. I love you guys. I love my wife. I love my kids. But when God's ready for me to go out of here, I'm leaving. Okay? And don't be sad for me. I love this trend 
that has taken place over the last few years from calling it funeral services to calling it a celebration of life. I love that. I told my family, I want to take it a step further and call it life of the party. Okay? When you all, when you all come to, to say goodbye to me, I want you to call it the life of the party. And I've even considered recording um, my own uh, message for my funeral so I can preach my own funeral. And, and listen, if I do that, if I do that, it's going to be a party, folks, okay? We're going to laugh. We're going to have fun. Um, if, you come, if you come to my funeral and you don't laugh, you came to the wrong funeral, okay? Because I, I'm ready. Now, I love what God is doing with me here. And as long as He wants me here, I want to stay. But when He's ready for me to go, I'm ready to go. Why? Because God has reserved an inheritance for me. And I'm excited about receiving that inheritance. I believe the fourth thing that, um, that we can have radical joy about, the fourth reason we can have radical joy is because God's power protects me. God's power protects me. Look at verse 5 of this chapter. Did we read verses 3 through 4? Let's do that. Let's read that real quick. <laughs> Skipped right over it, guys. Apologize to Chris, because I know that doesn't make it easy. Um, 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, Now we live with a wonderful expectation because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for His children. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. That's good news right there. All right, now let's go to the next point. We're going on to verse 5 now, and it says, And God, in His mighty power, will protect you until you receive this salvation because you are trusting Him. You see, God's power protects us. He is there with us as we are traveling through life. It doesn't mean that we won't face trials. Matter of fact, we're going to see here in a minute where trials are necessary. It doesn't mean we won't face trials. It doesn't mean that we will never go through struggles, but it does mean that the power of God is working in us and through us as we go through those struggles. And that's got to give us hope, right? That hope that we know that we're not going through these situations alone. That God is there. We are in good hands with Him. You remember the, the State Farm commercial? You're in good hands with all state? Let me just say, you are in good hands with all God. Okay? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit doing business with people for the, over 2,000 years. Alright? That's, that's good news right there. You're in good hands with Him. And all we got to do, look at the last part of that verse. Because you are trusting in Him, we just got to put our trust in Him. We put our trust in Him. His power protects us as we trust in Him. And the more we trust in Him, the more God's power will be evident in our life. Now, the fifth and final reason we're going to look at today that we have radical hope 
is that God is preparing me for eternity. God is preparing me for eternity. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7 of 1 Peter chapter 1. So be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while, these trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And I love this line. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. I mean, have you ever heard that word put in front of gold before? Eh, it's just gold. Your faith is much more precious than that. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, we want to look at this, this passage for just a little bit. There are three facts that are given about trials right here. Okay? First fact, even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. Necessary. It's necessary that we go through trials. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that just stinks. I was hoping that this whole Christian life thing would be, you know, easy peasy. <laughs> that it would be all sunshine and, and flowers. But it's not. Matter of fact, there are places in the Scripture we are guaranteed as followers of Jesus that we will have hardships and trials. Guaranteed. They're necessary. Now, why are they necessary? Well, let me just ask you a question. For those of you that have raised kids or are in the process of raising kids, what if the only thing you fed them was cake, soda pop, and potato chips? How healthy would they be? What if you never let them learn things on their own? You were always there and you you and they grow up and then they're 23 years old and they don't know how to tie their shoes. They have to go through some of those struggles, don't they? <laughs> to mature and to grow. It's the same thing for us. When we go through trials, they are necessary. And we're going to look here in a minute on why they're, they're necessary. The second fact we find out about trials in this passage is that they are many even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials. And you're thinking, all right, Tommy, this is about enough, buddy. If this, if... <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be talking about the good news of the gospel, right? This seems like bad news to me. Well, we'll get to the good news in a minute. But they're necessary, and they're many. I've said it many times. You're either just going, getting, you've just gone through something, or you're going through something, or you're getting ready to go through something. <laughs> trials are all around us. And there are many of them. Wouldn't it be nice if there was just, I just had this one trial, and once I was able to work through that, life was easy. But it's not. Here's what I've discovered once I work through one trial, there's like five on the other side. <laughs> and I got to work through those as well. There's many trials. There's a variety of trials that we go through. But there is a third fact about trials that we find out in this passage. Even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. For a while. 
Some translations say for a little while. Other translations say for a short time. You see, trials may be necessary, and they may be many, but they are temporary. They're temporary trials. And we can find comfort in these words. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Now, we may have a disagreement with God on what a short while is. Because <laughs> we may be thinking, God, I've been going through this for a long while. Not a short while, not a short time. And that may be true. We don't understand God's timing. But I do know this. And I think this is, is probably the heart of what Peter had in mind when he wrote this. That even if your trials last for a long time, years, when we leave this world, we leave our trials behind. They're gone. They're done with. And we can live that glorious life that our trials have prepared us for. Why are they necessary? Well, I think we find this in this passage. One is to test our faith. To test our faith. Is it because God is confused about how much we trust Him? I don't think He is. Maybe it's for our benefit so we can understand how much we trust Him. Maybe that's the reason our faith needs to be tested. It's kind of like a mirror where we can look at ourselves and say, okay, this is where I need to grow in my trust in God. It purifies our motives. It helps to refocus on who God is and our focus is supposed to be on Him. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author perfecter in our faith. Why? Because it's in the Lord. It's when our faith is in the Lord that we renew our strength. That we're able to run and not grow weary. We're able to walk and not be faint. It's when our faith is in the Lord that that happens. And thirdly, it prepares us for rewards. I want to look at this last part of this section. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now typically when we talk about praise and glory and honor, we talk about it all going up to God, right? As we should. But this passage here is talking about us getting praise, glory, and honor. But just think about what that's going to be like when the end of time comes. And you get to go to heaven. To spend eternity with Him. Is that praiseworthy? Yes. Is that glorious? Yes. Is that honorable? Yes. Yes. I believe that's what Peter is talking about here. Listen, guys, we've been going through this series for several weeks now. We've got one more week. Next week is going to be our last week. But I hope through this series, the thing that we're focused on is, is we're, not even, we're not focusing on the hope. We're not focusing on the faith. We're not focusing on the joy or the gratitude or any of that stuff we're covered. 
Our focus is on the Lord. It's on the Lord. It's when our roots grow down into Him and we draw up nourishment from Him that we have that strength. We're able to run and not grow weary. We're able to walk and not be faint. The root of all of these messages is coming back to Jesus. And growing our roots down into Him. Now, we have, we have several opportunities here in our church to be able to do that. One is our small groups. We have several small groups that meet throughout the week. Um, some of them meet monthly. Some of them meet every other week. Different days of the week. And listen, if there's a time that doesn't work for you, you look and you're like, man, I, I would love to be a part of a small group, but none of those times work. Oh, we'll start a new one. Okay? We'll start a new group. We need to always be growing in our small groups as we grow as a church. I would love for us to have small groups every day of the week. Now, I'm not going to small groups every day of the week, okay? And I don't encourage you to go every day of the week. But I do encourage you to do this. Find at least one. Find at least one where you could get plugged into it because it will help you better let your roots grow down into Jesus and draw up nourishment from Him. Also, we have service opportunities. Opportunities to be able to serve that helps us to do that as well. We've got a piece of paper back there on the back that has, has a list of both of those. Our small groups and our opportunities to serve on here. And that, that, that list is always expanding. Okay, so if something doesn't work for you, let us know again. Um, we'll start something new. All right, we want everybody to have an opportunity to be able to grow those roots deep down into Jesus and to draw up nourishment from Him. Because the better we do that, the better we are able to share that with other people. You know, an interesting thing, we talk about sharing our faith a lot, and, and I believe we should share our faith. But you, you know, that phrase is never in the Bible, to share our faith. But it does tell us to share our hope. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. What are those reasons that you have that hope? Well, we covered five of them today. Because God chose me before I chose Him. Because God always shows me mercy. Because God has reserved for me an inheritance that is priceless. Because God protects me with His power. And God is preparing me for eternity. Now, do this with gentleness and respect. Okay, we're not talking about going to somebody slapping them around with the Word of God. All right? The Bible Belt is a geographical location. It is not an evangelism tool. Okay? <laughs> so we want to do this with gentleness and respect. But we want to be prepared to be able to give that answer for the hope that we have. Because people will notice that you handle situations differently than most other people do. 
People will notice in you what 4031 says that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. Let's pray. God, we thank You for the hope that You give us. We know that You are that ultimate hope. God, other things can give us shallow, temporary hope, but You give us a deep-rooted, eternal hope. And God, we just thank You for doing that. God, I pray that we respond in kind to that hope. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.